you have your Bibles, we're deviating a little bit from the book of Joshua. God laid upon my heart to go into James chapter 4. So you'll find your way to James chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. If you had to put a title on this morning's message, it would be, and it's a twofold message uh, title, it could be The Road to Revival or Up Close and Personal. Now, I've already told my Sunday school class, I uh, sometimes give them a preview. Remember when there are uh, uh, new movies coming out and they give you those trailers? And uh, I found out in many of those movies, the best part of the movie was in the trailer. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, I'm going to give you a little preview uh, of the message, and uh, I'm not going to give you the best in the title. It's going to be good all the way through. And I believe that God has a word for us. As we've already mentioned, we need revival. And we have this Bible conference that's coming up. And that's what we're using it for. We're using it for a road to revival. But I just want, don't want it to be a road to revival. I want the revival to already begin. And so James chapter number 4 verses 7 through 10 we give the ingredients of how we can get up close and personal or how we can have a road to revival now you have to understand you must get up close and personal with the Lord Jesus in order to get on the road if you're not up close and personal you won't get onto the road and so as we come to realize that we need to get up close and personal now, many of us, uh, we know of people that kind of um, mess with us because they get in our space. You know the ones I'm talking about. They just get right in your face and you get uncomfortable and you're thinking, I wish they'd back off, especially if their breath is bad and, and you're trying to be nice and cordial to them and you're going, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But my dear friend, there is one who you want to get up close and personal with, and his name's Jesus. And so we see three things here in our text. First of all, we are going to see that there must be submission. The second thing that we're going to see this morning is that there must be resistance. And the third thing that we're going to see, if we're going to get up close and personal, if we're going to have revival, we have to have a drawing. So you found yourself into chapter 4, verse 7. This is what the Bible says. It says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now I like that one. Notice here it says he will flee from you. But there's a little bit more to that, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. He says, and draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn, and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. By God's grace, we're going to look at up close and personal or 
the road to revival. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the power contained in your word. And Lord, I come to you. And Lord, we need revival. And Lord, we know that before we can have corporate revival, there must be individual revival. I need revival today. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to to preach your message. Lord, uh, I understand, I'm fully aware of the fact that in and of myself, I'll do absolutely nothing here today. But you working in and through me, you can accomplish what you're wanting to see done here. I give you all glory. I give you all praise for what you've already done. Lord, I thank you for the excitement that we've already had in Sunday school. I thank you for the excitement that we had as we sang praises into your holy name. And Lord, I pray today that your people have come expecting, but not only expecting, but willing, willing to do what we need to do so that we can see you move amongst us. Lord, I pray for that one who's here today that's lost, has never trusted you, has never had a personal relationship with you, has never gotten up close and personal with you. Lord, I pray today that you're going to be right there in their face, letting them know how much you love them, how much you care for them, and how much you want to save them. Lord, I pray for those that are secure in their salvation, but they're not walking as close to you as they should. I pray that you'll get up close and personal with them today. And we'll confess that sin and we'll repent of our wickedness. And we'll just go ahead and throw our hands up today and say, We surrender. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. We thank you for how you're going to use this invitation. We thank you what's going to happen in this invitation. Now, Lord, as we look into your word... May we be intent and intentional to do what you've told us to do today. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The first thing that we see here, uh, if we're going to get up close and personal, notice he says, submit yourselves. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to have someone to come up here and help me uh, to give you an illustration of what we're talking about here. But first of all, submission, that's a military term. It means to place yourself under authority. And with that in mind, we are going to have to humble ourselves. Remember, uh, James reminds us that we must humble ourselves. So the number one thing that we need to get in our minds today is that one of the greatest weapons that Satan uses against us and uses against us, corporately speaking, is our pride. We're prideful people. We don't like to be told what to do. We want to run our own show. We want to do our own thing. No one's going to tell me what to do uh, because I don't need their advice. My dear friend, you need to understand, I need to understand this morning, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to see God moving, we're going to have to submit ourselves and place ourselves under the authority of a holy, righteous God. And if we do not do that, we will not have revival. But notice also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 6, 
talking about pride. Here we all know he's talking about uh Paul is talking about Timothy, and he says, Now, uh, not a novice. He means a new convert. They shouldn't be placed in leadership positions because of this one fact. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 6, it says, The reason why is because they will have a tendency to be lifted up with pride, and when you get lifted up in pride, you're going to fail. Now, that's not only for a new convert. That's for every one of us. See, many of you, you're not, you're not submitting yourself. You have not placed your, uh, yourself under the authority of God because of your pride. Pride, I'm telling you, can destroy. We know there are many people that go around and you'll say, well, look what I've done. Uh, I've done this and all that. And, uh, and in itself, I guess that's not always uh, a bad thing to do. But when you start to toting your own, uh, and tooting your own horn and you're going to go ahead and telling everybody how wonderful you are and how hard you worked and how you've done this and how you've done that, you have a pride problem. But corporately speaking, we can be a hindrance to the move of God. We can say things like, hey, look at what we've done as a church. All right, today we ran 761. Now we praise God for that. We're not saying that, oh, I'm hearing my heart here this morning. We praise God for that. But I'm telling you, we better be careful how we go around and say, yeah, we had 761. What did you have in Sunday school today? Or what did you have in your church? We got to be careful that we give all the praise and glory to God because it's God that did it for us. We didn't have anything to do. He used us. Praise His name for that. Churches become proud. Churches can get get large and they'll go around and they'll say things like, you know, come to our church. We're a big church. We got this. We got that. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't brag on our church and we should have good things to say about our church, but we need to be careful of the attitude in which we're saying it. Jesus, in, in, in verse number six here, and James says that, God resists the proud. He doesn't like prideful people. He says, I can't use prideful people. He says, I use people who have humbled themselves and placed themselves under my authority. So we see submission. But the second thing we see is resistance. Now that word resistance is a very interesting word. We see uh, in verse number 6 where it talks about how God resists. Now the word usage here is that it's a line has been drawn. And here's what we're saying is that first of all we have to submit ourselves. We have to place ourselves under His authority. You cannot resist unless you've submitted. Okay? So now we're resisting. Now we see it's a military term. And it means that uh, you're standing side by side. In Ephesians chapter 6, we see the word usage there where it says stand, stand fast. That's talking differently than what is being talked about here. Now, I got Isaac. Isaac's going to come up here and he's going to help me and I'm going to demonstrate. Isaac, here you are, buddy. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, by the way, I appreciate him coming up here. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, it says to stand. We see that it's talking about putting on the whole armor of God, right? And it says to stand. Here in the Roman soldiers, that's what uh, Paul had in mind. He, I don't know, because he was uh, chained to a Roman soldier. He probably got a pretty good look at a Roman soldier. He probably heard about all of their uh, tactics and warfare. And one of the things in there in Ephesians 6, it says they stood side by side, right? And they were able to resist or they were able to stand. It's a defensive term. But here in James, notice he says, to be able to resist, you have to submit. And then he goes and says, you need to draw close to God. Now, watch this. I'm close to Isaac. We're side by side. But here the Bible tells us, when I submit, that means... I'm putting God where He rightfully belongs in my life, and that means He's before me. You got this? Now, when we're resisting, I'm not resisting by myself, but because I've placed my submission and the authority of God, now I'm able to resist because it's harder to get to me now because you've got to go through Him. You see that? That's what he's talking about here. He says, draw nigh into God. Now, watch this. It goes even further than that. Because if you're saved, and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, not only have you placed Him in front of you, but He has been placed in you. That's how you're able to resist. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And so he says, draw nigh to God. Draw close. Now, the illustration that's given here is, you go back to the Old Testament. In, in Exodus chapter 19, uh, verse number 22, it talks about how they would draw nigh to God, how they would come to God. Now, here's what they're doing. The priest, of course, he would go into the holy place, and then the high priest, of course, goes into the holy of holies. And so, in their way of thinking, as they're getting closer to the holy of holies, which is the Ark of the Covenants located, Right? That's where the presence of God, the manifest presence of God is located. The priest comes in and he's getting closer to the Lord. Now we also understand in the holy place that there would be a light. We see that that light was the, the Lord's presence. The countenance of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, it brightened the place up. The psalmist said it this way. The psalmist uh, says in 73 uh, and in verse number 28, he says, It is good for me to get near to God. It is good for us to get near unto God. How do we do that? First of all, we have to submit. That's intentional, by the way. You just don't happen to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get into it. You're intentionally, I am, some, I am placing myself under the authority of God. God is now my master. God is my uh, commander in chief. God dictates where we go or if we don't go. God tell, shows me where to go and I follow him. I have submitted myself. And somebody here today, you need to get saved. You need to realize 
Otherwise, you have to submit yourself to the authority of God and you have to no longer uh, walk uh, in darkness, but you can come to the light. But you must do that intentionally and you must do it personally. We cannot do that for you. We'll be happy to help you and to show you. We can pray for you, but you and God have to do business. God's already told you He's willing to accept you. We understand that because He went and died for you. And now it's in the balls in your court, so to speak. So today, there's somebody that needs to submit to authority of God. And there's somebody here that needs to resist. Satan's been eating your lunch. I mean, he's been all over you. Man, say, well, well, I mean, what a minute, brother. I thought that when I got saved, that wouldn't happen. That's not scripture. Matter of fact, one of the evidences of being saved is the devil is working on you. Because before he already had you, he didn't have to work on you. Now he can't have you, but he sure can oppress you. And so here, we have to submit ourselves, we have to resist, and we have to draw nigh in to God. Tozer said it this way, Nearness is likeness. A.W. Tozer, Nearness is likeness. What's he talking about? Here's how you know that you've gotten close to God. You start thinking like God. The Bible says that we are to have the mind of Christ. Illustration. For those of you who are married. I don't know why everybody gets like, draws up when we say something about that. The women are hoping, I hope he nails my husband. And the husband are saying, I hope he nails my wife. And I ain't nailing nobody, but this is what it is. You've been married for quite some time. And you have a close personal relationship. And now, when your wife or husband, whatever the case may be, starts a sentence, you're able to finish it for them. Is there anybody here can testify to that? Why is that? Because of your relationship. Because your nearness Now you're starting to think and you're starting to act like your spouse. How do I know that I've gotten close to God? I start thinking like God and I start acting like God. Now I have a different perspective on things. Now when I see that uh, something, uh, a trial or tribulation comes into my life, I don't get all worked up like I used to get worked up. Why? Because I'm near to God and I've understood that He said He's got my back. I understand that He says that He will handle this. And I'm now, when something comes to my life that I know that doesn't have, I have any control over, uh, and at one time I had control over everything. I like being in control. But now because I've submitted to the authority of God and because I'm able to resist, I now have been drawn near to Him. And now because I'm near to Him, I start being more like Him. I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Some of you are still sweating the small stuff. Some of you just get all up in arms when something doesn't go what you think the way it should go. My dear friend, we need to understand God has this. 
And God's plans are always better than our plans. And God wants nothing but the best for us. And when I get near to God, I start acting like Him. So now I don't go around fretting. I don't be anxious. I don't go around uh, in the muddy grubs when something that's going my way because I understand that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. So then we see that the resistance. Notice as the priest would go, he's getting closer to the light. Now understand, when you get closer to the light, you start seeing your dirt better. Now, you all know about my vision issue. I like bright lights. Uh, I mean, I like bright lights because I see better. But we also understand, just like if you get new lighting in your house, and you look at the walls and you say... I didn't realize they were that dirty. (laughs) See, some of y'all have been there. (laughs) Honey, we got to paint this living room. Why? Didn't care about it before. Why? You have better lighting now. See, when you're getting closer, and this is evidence that you're getting nearer to God, is that you start to see your dirt more often. And so when you see your dirt, it says here, now as you're one to approach him, notice what he says. He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Oh, we know the priest, and they wouldn't a bowl like this, but this is just illustration. But there would be a large bowl. For the priest would go in uh, to where the presence of God was. He would have to stop by and he had to wash his hands. Why? Because he was defiled. You're here today. You know you're saved and you're secure in your salvation. My dear friend, you still need to wash your hands. You've gotten dirty. Why? Because you're living in a sinful world. You're going to go to work and you're going to hear sinful language. You're going to go uh, to school and you're going to hear uh, sinful uh, 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 things and things that you shouldn't be hearing. And and it wasn't intentional. You just happened to be, but you have gotten defiled. And so what we have to do is, if we're going to get closer to God, we got to wash our hands. There's somebody here today that needs to wash your hands. You have unconfessed sin. Now notice, he says, cleanse your hands... It's easy to see the dirt on your hands, but notice he says, and purify your heart. Now, it's one thing to cleanse your hands. It's another thing cleaning your heart. See, we can see the outward things and we can go ahead and get those taken care of. And the reason why many times we take care of those is because others can see the dirt on our hands as well. But for some reason... We think that if we go ahead and hide our sin in our heart, that's not being exposed to anybody else. Nobody else sees that. But my dear friend, God sees it. And he's telling you to go ahead and cleanse your hearts as well because if you do not have clean hands and a pure heart, you are not able to go near to God. Sin and holiness do not coexist. They cannot inhabit the same space. And so 
he says, cleanse your hands. And, uh, and, and then he says, uh, not only purify your hearts, but then he says, humble yourselves. But notice, he goes on and says, talks about mourning. He talks about weeping. He talks about your laughter needs to be turned into mourning. He says that your joy should be turned into heaviness. Now understand, we're trying to get near to God. We've already established the fact that if we're going to have revival, we have to get up close and personal with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to understand we do not come uh, with, uh, with, with no requirements. We have to have clean hands. We have to have a pure heart. And then he goes and talks us about our minds. He says, and do not be double-minded. What's he talking about there? He's saying there are some who are trying to resist, but they're resisting the wrong one. Because if you're standing, remember we gave the illustration, if we're standing with God, then we're resisting the devil. But if we're standing with the devil, we're resisting God. Understand, there's no middle of the road here. You're either or. And so here, there's a constant struggle. Your, your, your mind is being affected. In one hand, you're wanting to, to kind of go this way. You're, you're trying to get over the line where Satan is, uh, the, where the world is operating. But then you know you're getting drawn over here, and so you're being tossed in turn, and you have not made a commitment on what do you need to do today if you're going to be able to have revival, personal revival, break out in your life. And if we, Hillcrest Baptist Church, if we're going to have revival in this place, we're we're going to have to make a choice today. We're going to have to make a commitment that we are going to stand with God. And when we're standing with God, then we're able to resist the devil. And the Bible says, if we resist the devil, he will flee from you. And the reason why the devil has not fleed is there's some here today that are being tossed and turned. You're double-minded. You need to go ahead and get that settled today. You need to go ahead and intentionally say, I'm standing with God. I'm surrendering to His Lordship. I'm submitting to Him. And because I'm submitting to Him, I'm able to resist the devil. And I'm going to cleanse my hands. I'm going to purify my heart. I'm going to change my way of thinking. I'm going to humble myself. And then he goes on. How do we know when we have humbled ourselves? How do we know that we're really serious about this? How do we know we're just not here to play a game? How do we know that we think there's something magical about walking down the aisle and just because because we kneeled and just because we say the prayer but if we never intended it and we never had it in our heart and we never said I'm making a commitment today I'm standing with God then you're just playing the game and we've been playing the game way too long this church it's time for us to truly submit ourselves resist the devil humble ourselves cleanse our hands purify our heart change the way we think and we need to turn our laughter into to mourning. In other words, we need to be broken about this thing. And that's what we're missing. We're not broken anymore. Sin doesn't affect us like it used to. The only time sin really affects us is when we get caught. 
The only time we're really serious about it is when it's ruined our life. My dear friend, we need to understand today that we need to be broken over our sins before we can go and help someone with their sin. Church, it's time for us to get broken. She says, well, I don't know about it. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible tells us. If you're going to get near to God, you've got to get broken. You've got to come to realize that you've been running your life way too long. It's time this church understands. We can go ahead and we can come up with all kinds of programs. We can have a vision day every Sunday. We can go ahead and get caught up on that. And and I'm grateful for that. There was excitement about that. But if that's the only reason why we're doing it, just to generate some excitement, then we've done it for the wrong reason. What we really need is some brokenness. We We need to be weeping over our sin. We need to be weeping over the sins of this community. And we need to be uh, understanding that we have to humble ourselves. God's the one's going to call the shots from now on. Now, I'm grateful for our pulpit committee. I'm grateful for uh, all of our uh, ministry leaders. I'm grateful for our deacons. And I praise God for that. And our, we want to get look and, and say they're men and women looking to God for guidance and for wisdom. But folks, God is the only one that's going to send revival. We can bring the best preachers, and we are bringing the best preachers in America to this church. But they can't bring revival. We can go ahead and we can do all the things that we know to do. That's not going to bring revival. God is the only one that's going to bring revival. And God only brings revival when we meet the conditions brokenness, humbling ourselves and crying out to a holy, righteous, just God. We need to cleanse our hands. We need to purify our hearts. And we need to change our thinking. This morning, have you gotten up close and personal? Have you gotten up close and personal? I'm not talking about worrying about the neighbor beside you or the ones behind you. You, 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 you personally. Has God spoke to your heart this morning? You down here on the floor, has God personally spoken to you? What you need to do is do what you know you need to do. And when we individually do what God has told us to do, in order to meet the requirements for Him to send revival, when we take care of ourselves, then we'll see corporate worship and revival will break out.